Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumbacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Gasol, kicks it out to Odom. Odom throws it ahead. Oh, we're going to be back, back. Next year, we're going to be back, back, back. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Late Night Lake Show podcast. It is your host, Ricky and Danny. We are coming to you guys from our first recording on our new showtime. We're dropping podcasts every Monday now so you guys can get um, a nice feel, get into your routine uh, with our Late Night Lake Show episodes. We got Danny, as always, in the building. He's doing his thing, always grinding up there in the Bay Area, trying to make his way slowly but surely to uh, more Lakers games. He's working on that. I'm obviously your host, Ricky, holding it down uh, here in Chicagoland area, trying to give you my best perspective of Lakers coverage as much as I can. And today on the Late Night Lake Show podcast, we want to introduce our special, special guest, our boy, Vinay, friend from Twitter, friend from Laker family, now Laker brethren of mine. Vinay, thanks for hopping on, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to join you two fellas. And I'm excited to talk about the Lakers now that the season is underway. Yes, sir. I mean, how hyped were you for Tuesday? Just first reactions. Like, were you sitting there like, well, first of all, what's your setup looking like? If you had a pie in the sky, you get home, you get to unwind. And how's how's the at home Laker viewing setup? What's that look like for you? Oh, It's it's a constant motion, bro. I got a three year old daughter at home and she don't got no time for no Lakers or nothing like that. So (laughs) as soon as I come home, she's coming to me and what she wants to talk to me about what her day at school was like. And then we have dinner together and I'm trying to get all that stuff out of the way, but she knows uh, my daughter loves watching basketball with me. So as soon as seven 30 rolls around, we park it on the couch for a little bit and we'll watch like, you know, like the first quarter and, and just watch it together. And then usually around this is getting into too much detail, but you know, she, I got to give her a bath and stuff like that. So I got, I switched from the TV to the laptop so I'll be yep. streaming through that. So while I'm giving her a bath, I'm, I got one eye on her and the other eye on the, on the laptop. And so, you know, it's just, it's the dad routine, but uh, at least on weeknights, it's like that, but you know, it gets better from time to time. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm trying to, this is my first year with a child trying to, you know, do our thing and be as involved in paying as much attention to Lakers game as possible. And then you realize that you got a kid hanging on top of you. (laughs) You got to feed them. You got to change them. You got to clothe them. You got to put them to bed. And then you got to, you know, you got a dual double task right now. I'm just appreciative that it's 2019 and we can get our Lakers on 90 different types of viewing devices. I'm I'm loving my uh, my phone and keeping the lead. Man, <laughs> man, like I don't know nothing about that yet. Where you guys are coming from? <laughs> you know, what I mean, yeah. I'm I'm only getting into the early stages of, of real life. You know, what I mean, got a wedding coming up, but no kids yet. So hearing about this kind of gets me like, okay, 
little preparation I can ask you two for some advice. So this is good. This is good. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah, Danny, please uh, value these moments you have of watching your sports in peace and quiet because they will end soon and you'll just have to adjust. But it's all good. Probably wouldn't change it for the world. So thanks again for hopping on the show, man. It's always good to have you. Hopefully we'll get you linked up and we can do this more often on the Late Night Lake Show podcast. Before we get into things, you guys can always find the show uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor. I don't know. Talk to Alexa. Talk to Google. Ask them about us. Ask them to play the Late Night Lake Show podcast. And we'll probably be playing on whatever speaker you're talking to at the time. So we look forward to connecting with you guys. Leave us a review on the show leave us on whatever uh listening device that you have on let us know how you like the show let us know how we can improve for y'all uh vignette we got a little uh opening quiz for you not really a quiz a get to know you activity a little icebreaker don't have a name for it yet so we'll just call this our uh, late night get to know our co-host segment um are you ready to go me and danny have 10 questions for you just about your lakers love and just a little background getting to know your infatuation with the purple and gold uh, does that sound good to you sounds good to me let's get it first question go i ahead, got Ricky. for you let's do it what's the first lakers championship you remember well, the first Lakers championship I remember is probably going to be the first one that Kobe and Shaq won together. I was too young for the other ones. So for me, the most vivid memories came on that run for that first championship that they got together. That Kobe lob to Shaq is just ingrained in your head, right? For, as, for, for all time. <laughs> as all, all I know is that I was being told that the Lakers had a great chance. I was young. I wasn't into hoops that much. And everybody was telling me they got a great chance. They got a great coach. They got Phil. Phil had Jordan. I was like, all right, man, we're going to get this all together because I wasn't I was old enough to remember uh, to hear about like magic and the Showtime Lakers. But I didn't get to like watch them like that because I was so young. And, you know, when you're kids, when you're like five years old, it's cool to watch basketball, but you'd rather go and play outside or something. You know what I mean? So uh, I would say the most vivid memories I have are definitely that first run. Hell yeah, same yeah, man. Well, well, speaking, well, speaking of Kobe and Shaq, well, more vividly, Kobe. Which Kobe did you enjoy watching more, Kobe 8 or Kobe 24? Oh, man, that is a good question. Oh, man. You know what? I, I would say I love, I love Kobe 8 because it reminded me of a guy who was really trying to make his way in the league and make his name in the league. But I, I think I lean a little bit more towards 24 because they tried to tear him down after Shaq left and that really hurt me uh, as a fan to see them kind of go back and forth and see all these people turn around and be like look Shaq don't want to play with you you're just a ball hog and for him to win that championship and not even that first one to win that championship against Orlando was cool but to win that championship against the Celtics oh my good that was so good so I gotta say 24 man that those memories were crazy for me. I feel you on that one, man. Kobe 8 was the nasty score, athletic freak. But when it comes to 24, man, you just saw the leadership develop, you know? So yeah. I enjoy watching 24 just a slight tad more as well. Mm. All right. Next question that we got up, man. You kind of got my blood boiling thinking about <laughs> to all the slander that Kobe got once Shaq left. We had to really, really defend our man at all costs. If Twitter was around back then, man, that would have oh been a, a whole different life. Speaking of which, man, back in those Kobe Shaq days, we saw some of the most bitter rivalries that the Lakers had uh, with the Sacramento Kings. And then as Kobe went off on his own, he it was him against the San Antonio Spurs. A lot of those matchups. But to you, Vinay, name all of the Lakers rivals that you feel deserve the respect of that title rival. I mean, I think the Celtics obviously historically have always been our rivals. We played them twice. Uh, in the finals, we lost the first one, won the second one. If you just look at like the Western Conference, I think the that Suns team that we kept uh, running into, the Spurs team that we kept running into, the Blazers team, the Kings team, all of these different teams that were like favorites or they were like on par with the Lakers. There's always like a new challenger in the West, you know what I mean? And yeah. everybody always used to be telling us that, oh, it's not going to be the Lakers year. They're getting old. These two guys don't get along. There's locker room issues, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. I feel like a lot of different names kept popping up over and over again. But I, I, I'd say that that Kings team, because they were like a team of destiny. And you know, like kind of how we talk about the Clippers right now and then the Warriors of recent, like they're such fun basketball to watch because they're throwing behind the back passes and mm -hmm. doing stuff like that. 
I feel like that's what they were. And the Lakers just came in and shut all that down. And they're like, nah, nah, uh, you guys can do all this fancy stuff, but we're here about winning. So I want to say like, there's like a plethora of teams, man. Kings, Blazers. Who are you feeling right now? Like, who are you thinking right now is worthy of, oh, okay, yeah, anytime we suit up against them, it's a little extra. Like, I start to think about it, and I'm like, obviously, Boston's probably going to be ingrained forever, right? You come up as a Lakers fan, you already know. Like, exhibit A of the enemy is a picture of that dumbass Celtic logo, right? <laughs> but is there anyone else, like, today that you would say, all right, no, there's a rivalry going down between our Lakes show and them? I don't know if there's a right. I can't, I can't say rivalry, right? Like I, I think if you had to ask that question to somebody else, like maybe like somebody just in the media, they probably tell you the Clippers are the mm-hmm. rivals because they're in the same city as us. But I mean, my thing has always been this. Is it a rivalry when you, when one team's already got a legacy and the other team's barely figuring themselves out? Like we're, they're going through like their third rebrand in like 10 years. Uh, first one, Yeah. So it's for us, it's like, I'm not even trying to like, put them down. I'm like, it, it's like an actual thing. They're really rebranding their franchise. They're moving out of the Staples Center. How do you compare a team that's gotten 16 championships or 11 in LA since apparently people want to say five don't count oh my in God. Minneapolis. <laughs> but how do you compare like that to another team who has consistently underachieved and keeps rebranding itself and then say, oh, well, that's our rivalry. I, I think it's just Boston. I, I, you know, Obviously, Clippers are good this year because they're favorites in the media, but I think the the guys that we, no matter what, we could go 0 for 81 or whatever. But if we beat the Celtics, Laker fans are going to be like, they're going to be out for that game. Absolutely. So, Vignette, uh, the past five years, actually six seasons, Lakers have been like a rebuild mode. Out of the draft picks we actually had, and I'm, I know I'm bringing back from the dead the young core members of the past, but <laughs> who's, who got you most excited these past six seasons when they redrafted them? I, I, I'm going to say it was Ingram, man. I know a lot of people love Lonzo and a lot of, a lot of I mean, I'm in Chino Hills, so I, I play at the 24-hour fitness in Chino Hills. Uh, I don't know how many folks in LA will be hearing this or in Chino Hills that are going to be hearing this podcast, but there's a, there's a 24 hour fitness that the ball brothers used to come out to. I played against LaMelo like in random pickup games when he brought his JBA guys by like a couple of times and stuff. And they're all cool kids. So I, I got a chance to see Lonzo like as a normal human being, not a guy who's on a, on a court and they're all good kids. So I like Lonzo a lot, but Ingram was the guy for me, man. He was long. He had handles for his size he could get to the rim. He was starting to kind of figure out how to pass out of double teams and pass out of his drives to the rim. I, I thought he had, I, I still think he has a lot of potential. I think we're seeing that now through the first couple of uh, games for New Orleans. And now people are trying to like revise history and be like, oh, wow, we didn't know he was this good. And clearly he's much better now. But uh, I, I know a lot of people love D'Angelo, but I felt that you can find guys that can kind of do what he does around the league. There's wings that do it either more efficiently or just as good as he does. But I'd say out of all of them, I'd say Ingram was the guy for me. Nice. Yeah, I kind of feel you on that, the Ingram thing at the number two pick. But we've had, you know, three number two picks, you know, Russell, yeah. Ingram, and then Lonzo. I think Lonzo was the one who got me kind of more, most excited, the UCLA type of kid, the yeah. hype of LeVar. I really bought into it. So, I mean, good luck to good luck to both of them in New Orleans. Good luck to D'Angelo Russell and Golden State. But if it was Ingram, man, I, I hope he blossoms, honestly. I hope he becomes an all-star and a superstar, to be real with you. I need, I need Ingram to ball out and give me 25 and 30 every night and for him to get a max contract from some other team and bounce out of New Orleans so we can clearly say that the Lakers won that trade. I agree with you. We need to win on all fronts in all arguments or it will be argued about until the end of time. Yeah, <laughs> we I mean, see it. That's just how it works. Like every every The Lakers could make like a super minor it's not even a mistake. They could, they could just like do something super minor. That's not a positive, I guess, towards the team and people extrapolate it out into like this crazy, Oh my God, look at the, the franchise is done. Everybody, the front office is inept. Nobody knows what to do. And all we found out is, uh, Anthony Davis sprained his thumb. Like that's it. That's all it was. So that's all. <laughs> that's all. Um, speaking of, uh, of players that we've watched recently and we're seeing that uh, Lakers Nation is making a public enemy number one, uh, Patrick Beverly seems to have pissed the entire <laughs> continental United States. I'm curious, Vignette, growing up or just even currently, has there been a player more annoying to watch when they played our Lakers 
than Patrick Beverly? Because I got a couple in my head during the Kobe era. But I, I want to like know if there any players <laughs> that really just pissed you off anytime you looked at them. Oh, man, that's a good question. I'd say Raja Bell is one of them. Bingo. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Say, oh, man, I feel like there were a couple of big dudes that used to go at Shaq a lot. I want to say, like, Utah used to have this one guy. What was his name? I think it was Olden Polonese. I can't remember what his name. He was like their backup center or something like that. And he must have had like one good game against Shaq. And he would like he wasn't talking greasy or nothing like that. But there was like a like you know like jazz fans are like oh watch out for this guy like this guy's gonna be good. Damn, I'm trying to think. Maybe what was that Houston Rockets team that had they had Barkley on that team? They had was Francis on the team at the same time as him? I want to say there was like specific guys. Obviously, somebody from Sacramento. Uh, you could probably put Bibby is probably Doug there Christie, or uh, probably. Doug Christie. Yeah, exactly. Doug Christie with the uppercut to Rick Fox. He's probably a good example <laughs> of the guy. Uh, Did anybody hate there. Bobby Jackson though? I like Bobby Jackson. No, nah, he was, he was a six man, right? He was like yeah, a regular six man of the year. Yeah, oh, pretty much. You know, you know who it was on uh, Portland? It was either Ruben Patterson that was oh, on Ruben Portland. Patterson. Oh my God. There or it is. probably Bonzi, right? Bonzi Wells with Portland was also one of those guys who kept Kind of going at Kobe and stuff like that. Oh man, Suns. Yeah, we already covered Raja Bell. Whew. I don't know. Do you want to be? What about, I can be honest. What about Dante yet? Jones? Okay, that, there it is. There's yeah, the other yeah. one. I can see that. Dante Jones. I think there's awesome. one on the Lakers currently right now, and I'm I'm really trying to get over this, and I think we're at a point now where <laughs> he is back, and I think of him not as just a Kobe slanderer, but uh, Jared Dudley sure had a lot to say and do in their, his matchup with the Lakers and Kobe in his younger days, but um, we're going to keep it pushing because Jared Dudley is family now. <laughs> he's, and He's a company he's, man. Right, and he hits two for two from his three-point attempt, so we are, we are big fans of that. Danny, what you got for your last question, bro? I was going to say, so when it comes to recently, again, uh, with the city jerseys, what are you looking, what, which city jersey, which Lakers jersey did you like uniform-wise? Was it the black snakeskin, black mamba one? Was it the alternate? What, what do you like in the Lakers jersey? Or all favorite Lakers jersey of all time, actually. Oh, uh, well, man, I don't think, I'm not really a jersey guy I, I, in terms of like which favorite ones I have. I, I would say that there are definitely ones I don't like. And I'd say that the purple with the black stripe on the side are ones that I definitely don't like out of all the jerseys that we have so far. Horrible. But, yeah. And I mean, obviously the Lakers going from the gold to the slightly more yellow is kind of a little bit of a bother for me too. But for the most part, I, I love the white ones and I love those blue ones that people have been mocking up. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't sweat it for me. It's all, it's always about what's on the court. We'll leave, we'll leave all that color scheming and stuff to our, to our uh, current neighbors. Cause uh, they're desperately in need of a, uh, uh, a rebrand uh, <laughs> as it relates to their jersey colors. So, oh and their my logos. God. I, but I honestly think personally, though, Sunday whites are always like a go. It's always yeah. a, it's always a win. Sunday Sunday whites are amazing. Yeah, I, and I think they've, they've changed the rules now too, right? Like uh, they're they're saying that now there's no really when it comes to the jerseys, there's no home away designation. You just pick what jersey you it. want, and uh, and another team can pick their color. So. You know, yeah, I'm starting to hate that too. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's just weird. My brain is trying to really calibrate. Like it'd be nice if our Sunday whites were worn exclusively on Sundays, but that's asking a little bit too much. Uh, okay, cool. Vignette, thank you so much, man. That was great stuff. Hopefully, listeners got to learn a little bit more about you and some of the deep cups of how your Lakers uh, allegiance runs. Appreciate that. When we come back, we're just gonna dive right into the season. We'll take a look at the first two games, Lakers are one and one uh, by the time you guys are hearing this they will have faced the charlotte hornets in tonight's matchup but we're gonna dive into what we think what we're seeing what we're liking what we're not late night lake show stick around you have been listening to the late night lake show and you thought to yourself man i love me some ricky and danny this podcast is the truth I think I could do a podcast of my own. Talk about some of my favorite topics, like, you know, like cat litter and stuff like that. Well, that was a bad example, but if you have something to talk about, do it on Anchor. It's your one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And right now, Anchor's going to match you up 
with some great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. Your podcast, my guy. Make it happen. Just make sure you do it on Anchor. Free, easy, and it's the reason why I'm reading you this ad right now. All right, guys, welcome back. We uh, come to you all with a Los Angeles Lakers squadron standing currently at one and one. First game was last Tuesday's night home opener or not home opener. I guess our building opener. We wore home jerseys for that game, by the way, uh, against the Clippers in a 112-102 loss. The game was tied at 85 to end the third quarter, but the Clippers just went on a run. And uh, to be honest, it didn't really seem like the Lakers were going to get back in the game about uh, halfway through that fourth quarter. But uh, we saw the debut of our Lord and Savior, Anthony Davis. He came through with 25 points, uh, was nine for 14 from the free throw line. Our former Lord and Savior, LeBron James, struggled a little bit. Depends on whose grading scale that you're grading it on. Uh, He had uh, 18 points and a handful of turnovers. Danny Green, our newest sharpshooter, came in with a strong 28 points and really just made him one of the best signings of the summer, especially at that contract that he got. And we have him next year. It's so nice to have players for more than one year signed to the team. Um... Our, uh, you know, our stepbrother adopted friend, KCP, unfortunately did not score a point, but um, it's fine. The Lakers played a game on Friday, so I'm sure he had a much better performance. Let's hop into Friday, Friday's game real quick. The Lakers really locked down and locked out the Utah Jazz at home in the official home opener. LeBron led the way with 32 points, seven assists. 10 rebounds, Anthony Davis, 21, seven and seven, Troy Daniels, 15 points off the bench. Hello, Troy. Thank you for coming to the show. Dwight Howard, only two points, but really filled up the box sheet with seven rebounds, three of them offensive, two blocks and two steals and one suspect booty grab. But we'll save that for (laughs) a different point in the show. Man, I swear to God, I I tweeted it out, then deleted it because I didn't want to seem like a hater. But as soon as it happened, I was like, Dwight just grabbed a handful of ass. I'm not going oh, to clip up too? the video. Uh, someone's done is going to show it out. <laughs> Somebody pulled the Jeez. video already, man. I, I, was yeah. like, I saw it and I was just like, oh my God, I hope nobody, I hope there is no replay of this anywhere because this is going to, everybody's going to be making fun of him for this. We don't need this right now. Please, nobody put this video. And like a day later, somebody found the video and put it right, right there. I was like, oh my God. The Man, internet remains it. undefeated. <laughs> We, we can exchange remains baby, baby, steps, it's it's a- baby steps with Dwight Howard. So I guess we'll take what we could get and try to ignore the stuff that is hard to ignore. But um, coming back around to Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope, the young man did not have a strong second showing. Um, there was a point in time in the game where Lakers fans almost threw a party in the stands when he scored his first point. There is almost an all-out just revolt against Contavious on Lakers in in Lakers Twitter. Excuse me. I'm curious to know, Vinya, and we could hop into that a little bit later. What your thoughts are on how much slander is too much slander online? (laughs) But uh, just overall thoughts, man. What do you think of the Lakers' first two games? What's uh, what are your biggest takeaways? What uh, what stood out to you? Yeah, so I, I want to say I think uh, I'll start with like the the biggest kind of elephant in the room, and no, it's not Pope. It's actually Braun. So like the first two, I would say the first game and a half, we saw LeBron run that sort of point guard role, and in the first game, the Lakers didn't really get out and transition very much. They did a little bit more in the first half of the Jazz game, but. For the most part, it seems almost as though LeBron was really deferential to Anthony Davis. They ran about, by my count, 672 post-ups in the first game and another 300 in the first half of the second game. And I'm sure, just like everybody else, we were kind of going a little crazy trying to figure out why the Lakers were running so much post-up. But it looks like Vogel made a change uh, midway through the game against the Jazz and kind of unlocked what it, whatever it was that he needed to unlock with Davis and James. And obviously one of that was putting out Alex Caruso, our resident favorite for the Lakers, putting Alex Caruso in at the second half and then moving Anthony Davis to the five. So 
I want to say that it's still sort of a work in progress for the Lakers. They're still kind of figuring out what lineups are, are going on. But a lot of people are championing that first game against the Clippers as like, oh, the Clippers are the team to beat. But you could kind of tell when you look back uh, on rewatch that the Lakers, you could tell Vogel is running these rotations as opposed to like using matchups like it's a playoff game. And I think the team is still learning what lineups works and, um, you know, wh- which combination of, of guards to use with LeBron and AD and that game was much closer than that score indicates. So if I'm going to try and take some positives from it, there, there are a lot of positives to take. And then obviously the defense has been great for both games. I mean, the, the defense in the jazz game was amazing. They, they run so much pick and roll and the Lakers were, they had their hands on every single ball. It felt like on every pick and roll. I, I totally agree with on ball and off ball defense. I mean, they're, they're, tra- they're locking down and you got guys on the court with AD and Danny Green, who are known defenders, as much slander as I give KCP, he did, he does give effort on defense too. Yeah. He's not doing anything on the offensive side. Clearly, he's missing shots, not getting his not getting a three ball in, or even getting to the line. He struggled to do that. So, on his defensive end, he's actually performing at a pretty decent level. But with the Lakers collectively, they're they're rotating well. They're, they're all the guards are playing pretty good effort defense. And when it comes to the bigs, I mean, you see JaVale McGee, active hands, jumping for every ball. You see Dwight Howard doing the same thing. And, of course, AD. So, defensively, I do agree with you on that end. So, I have a an observation about what I'm seeing. And I guess we're going to need to uh, unpack a little bit more of your first point about Mr. Bron Bron. So... One thing I appreciate about you and what you do for Lakers Twitter is you dive into the numbers, but the way you report them out, it doesn't seem like I need to have a calculator or a uh, <laughs> you know, a pencil in my pocket at the time. From what you're seeing from your viewpoint, are we seeing a LeBron that is a percentage less than whatever his peak was last year? Or are you seeing a LeBron that is more gearing up and getting into basketball shape? Because I didn't want to say it during the preseason. And I kind of said it after the first game. And we talked about it on our last show. But I'm just curious to know, do we think that LeBron's ramping up? Or is this signs of don't get used to God LeBron every night? Well, I think I think those two games were uh, like opposites or at least the first game and a half versus the last two quarters against the Jazz. It, it answered the question for me. So uh, I'll answer that question with with two. I'll give you two answers that are that are together. A, the answer, the first answer that I've gotten from all the Braun folk that are on Twitter is this is par, par the course for him. Um, he usually takes the first couple games of the season to sort of ramp up. And so that, that, you know what, that makes sense to me because those preseason games, if you throw those two China games out because of all the political stuff that was going on, there wasn't really much time for him to spend with, with a lot of lineups. I don't think he looks bad. I'm actually really impressed with how good he looks on defense. Uh, one of the things that teams were trying to do in the preseason, they were trying to use like their shooters, like on Braun and then run their shooters off of screens to see if Braun would chase them. And a couple of times, you know, like Braun wouldn't do it because it's the preseason, right? Who cares? But in the regular season, like against the Jazz, they tried to run some screens for like Joe Ingles to come and get an open three on a down screen and stuff like that. And Braun snuffed all that stuff out. They're trying to screen mm-hmm. him. He's getting around screens. He's fighting. So I, I don't think it's a... um I don't think it's a he's on a downward trend. I think he's just ramping up as he goes. That's that's what the folk who followed him very intensely throughout his career have told me. Um, but at the same time, I think the other the second part of that answer is I think Braun is fully committed to whatever Vogel and the coaches want him to do. I think they told him, hey, set up the guys, set up the shooters, do that sort of stuff. Don't worry about your offense just now. We know you're one of the all time greats. You can get your shot at any time. We just want to kind of get the reps up for the guys around you so they get more comfortable. And I think that's what he was doing. And after Vogel basically said, all right, F it. We need to win this game. We're not going to be messing around anymore. You know, at, at the halftime of the Jazz game, we saw what Braun really is. And you just see that you see the Jazz put, who was it, Royce O'Neal or something like that? Like, yeah, it, that was like that was like uh, what was the what was the game in 2017? I want to say uh, when he went to Toronto and he posted up like, CJ Miles and some other guy 
like five times in a row. And then I was like, oh yeah, you know what? Dwayne Casey's probably going to lose his job because he hasn't called a timeout yet. And lo and behold, right. that's what happened. So I, I think Braun is ready. I think, you know, everybody's conditioning has to get better. Uh, and that, that's normal. That's, that's what everybody's doing. Brad Stevens had a good, um, in their opening game, the Celtics Sixers game, they, he got interviewed on the sideline. And the lady asked him, like, you know, you guys are off to a bad start this game. What do you think? You know, are you concerned about X, Y, Z? He's like, no, you know, to be honest, the first couple of games of the season are, de- are just for data collection. And I was just like, well, I wonder if other wow. coaches do the same thing, right? So yeah. if, if other coaches are like, no, we're just ramping up our conditioning, seeing real defenses. I wonder if our team is doing the same. And so is, so is Braun. Braun's trying to help the coaches run what they want to run. And I think we're going to see him unleashed in the next couple of games a little bit more as we figure out our lineups. So we're looking at team player. I'm going to do what I'm told. I'm here to support Anthony in any capacity that he needs to be helped in. LeBron James. I'm cool yes. with that. I can, yes. I can get down with that, right? Things that I don't know if I'm necessarily down with is or things I just got to get used to. Right. Uh, we come from the uh, the church of Kobe Bryant, where yep. every second on the basketball court is a life or death situation. And to LeBron, we're talking about a guy in LeBron James who obviously has gone to his eight straight finals appearances. The regular season doesn't mean the same to him as it did Kobe. And the reasons, you know, that could be a whole goddamn documentary on the reasons why LeBron James approaches the game of basketball different from Kobe and how they both became top of their powers and top of the world for the runs that they're on. But I, it kind of, you know, the Laker faithful, they want a little bit more fire in game one against the Clippers, right? So while we feel the whole ramping up and getting our bodies back into shape, did it feel like to you that just overall the Clippers just wanted to win that basketball game more than LeBron and the LeBron-led Los Angeles Lakers? It's it's funny that you say that because like when when it comes to the approach, right? We're thinking like LeBron makes sense totally. Let's let me get my body in shape, and he's he does it in playoff series too. Usually in a game one of a playoff series, LeBron kind of eases off the gas. If you notice, game one against the Celtics, uh, I believe it was the 2017 or 2018 season or 2017 season, uh, that game one where he just looked completely flat and then he comes back the next game and wins it so it's like and it's same with indiana series and that round one like he he's known for you know just kind of seeing what his matchup is adjusting and then the next game take it to him so i can see that but when it comes to lakers fans we're like expecting to bust the clippers right like it's game one the hype starring clippers like this is our town so are we disappointed? Kind of. But does it make sense? Yes. Like You don't want LeBron to use all his all his might and power into game one of an 82 game season. You know what I mean? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think part of what it is, is there's a lot of emotions that are also high as well. Like the way, you know, like there maybe the Clippers were like much more. I don't want to say more focused because it makes it seem like the Lakers weren't focused, but they were because their defense was actually really good in that Clippers game. Um, it, it, it seems like the emotions were probably high for the Clippers. Uh, and, you know, because they're the little brother in the city. And they had a quarter where Kawhi went seven for eight. Like, I don't think yeah. Kawhi is going seven for eight consistently. And they just lost last, you know, based on they just lost yeah. on uh, Saturday night. So that consistency, that focus, that like margin, you know, like go, having that kind of shooting stretch, like, that doesn't happen all the time. And so, like I said, I, I don't think they lost. The Lakers lost that first game because they're out of focus or they don't have the talent or anything like that. They look like a team figuring themselves out while trying to play the best defense that they possibly could as they learn themselves. And they played really well for, I would say, like three and a half quarters until they broke that game open. So, yeah, and it was it was a back and forth game. And you saw the toughness from the Lakers too, trying to match the grit of the Clippers. I mean, I don't know how many guys in the Lakers want to match the intensity of diving for loose balls like Pat Pev, but I could totally see what you mean by that. In that game, also, you saw Allen early, like LeBron taking to the post, doing all that. So I feel like he was finding what is going to work against his team in game one offensively, yep. too. 
You know what yep. I mean? On defense, yeah, he, he had some plays where he took off. But, you know, you saw the, the classic chase down LeBron uh, block. You saw, like, the, the lock-in defense when he wanted to. But as Laker fans, as we see it, like how Ricky was saying with the whole Kobe Bryant thing, like, you expect him to be on 100% on-go from the get. Like, LeBron's not going to play lockdown. I'm going to I'm gonna guard your best player for all four quarters. It's just not going to happen. It's not feasible. It's not sustainable. So yeah. I, I, I totally understand what, how we should feel. Um, and I totally understand how the team feels at that. I feel as though, Ricky, you brought up a good point. I, I think a lot of us growing up, you know, if you grew up in the 90s or the early 2000s, whenever you grew up, we've been sort of spoiled by the demeanor of Kobe Bryant. And mm-hmm. if there's one indelible mark that he's left on the franchise is that like the ferocity of like his spirit as a player is like really what's defined 20 years of Lakers basketball and for the Lakers and Lakers fans, mainly we've been sort of looking for that out of our young guys since Kobe left. And we were hoping that, you know, when we saw D'Angelo come out and, you know, point at his forearm and says, you know, do the ice in my veins thing. We're like, okay, we got, yeah, maybe we got, we got that guy, you know, like we got that guy who embodies that Lakers spirit and then he was gone. And then, you get like this quiet kid in Ingram who doesn't really talk too much and stuff like that mm-hmm. and kind of does his business. But then first game of last season, we see him go in, you know, throw down with the, with the Rockets and stuff like that. So now, like you said, now our blood is boiling and now we're getting gassed up because now we got this young guy here who's ready to, to square up with anybody on the other side. And same thing with Lonzo, you know, like Lonzo's a quiet kid. He's like, right. he's a humble kid. But then you see those flashes where he's stripping, stripping somebody on the way up and then getting layups, all that kind of stuff. And I think we've been really searching for somebody to fill that void in our lives. Uh, uh, <laughs> as funny as it sounds to, to fill the void that Kobe, that Kobe left um, as it relates to like the emotion attached to being a player. And I think it's tough uh, because you're right. Uh, you guys are both right. LeBron's not really that kind of guy. Like, He'll, he'll turn up and stuff like that when he, you know, gets a big dunk or a really great play and stuff like that. And he'll play to the crowd, but he's a cool cat, man. Like he's, he's always been that way. Like he doesn't get, he doesn't get rattled. And when he wants to play serious, he plays serious. And we're not used to that because we're used to hundred percent Kobe all the time. So it, it's, this is like this weird adjustment period for us. And I think we see a little bit of that with Anthony Davis too. Like he seems like he's kind of cool and he, he doesn't get too pressed and stuff like that. So it's going to be a learning experience for us to kind of, uh, I don't want to say detox because it makes it sound like it's a bad thing that Kobe did, but we got to like kind of come to some sort of balance about uh, yeah. Kobe's intensity and what, what most players in the league probably are like now. To quote the Mamba in his probably most famous commercial, are you a different animal <laughs> with the same beast? I guess that's what LeBron is, right? He's, you know, yeah. just cut a little differently. But, hey, hey uh, he still is going to go down as one of the greatest. Speaking of people that um, are trying to embody the Mamba mentality, when we come back from the break, uh, Vignet, I want to I get your thoughts, get your expectations of how Kyle Kuzma is going to fit back into this Lakers rotation and what, um, what you're looking forward to seeing from our curly-headed killer Kuz. Late Night Lake Show. We'll be right back. And we're back with the Late Night Lake Show. So we got Vignet here from Twitter, talking Lakers. Two catalysts missing. Well, in my eyes, two catalysts missing uh, when it comes to Rajon Rondo and Kyle Kuzma for the first two games. Now, guys, coming back, what do you think is going to happen when we have to fit in Kuzma to the rotation? And when it comes to Rondo, is he going to start at the point guard position over Avery Bradley? I'm not sure where the minutes how the minutes distribution is going to look for Kuzma. I'd expect them to get like 25 to 30 minutes, but I think the Lakers will probably ramp him up to that number, uh, depending on kind of how his body reacts to the regular playing time and stuff like that. But I would suspect that some of those minutes that like KCP has been getting that Quinn cook and some of these small, some of the guards have been getting are, are probably going to go to Kuzma as they figure out the lineups. The first two games, the Lakers have run 10 guys. They've been 10 deep for both games and actually almost 11 deep for both games, which is a lot of people to play this early in the season. Usually you wait till like those, uh, you play like the bottom feeder teams of the league to use that many guys, but the Lakers have been kind of, I think they've been trying to figure out their guard rotation around Anthony Davis and LeBron when they stagger those two. And uh, I think Kuzma is going to be easily inserted into either one of those. So 
it's just going to be a matter of what lineup he sort of fits with. I'm sure whatever minutes Jared Dudley was getting are probably going to go to Kuzma. So, so that that's probably going to be how that works. But like I said, I think they're going to ramp him up eventually uh, to 25, 30 minutes. And hopefully if the Lakers are doing well scoring wise and defense wise, I wouldn't be surprised if it cuts out of minutes from Anthony Davis and LeBron. If, if LeBron's only having to play 30 minutes and the Lakers are winning by 10, 15 points a night because Kuzma's doing well on the offensive end and the defense is still good. I don't think anybody's complaining. I don't think Anthony Davis is probably complaining or LeBron's complaining. I think the coaching staff is happy. Everybody's getting their reps. So, so that's how I feel about Kuzma. What do you think, Ricky? Yeah. So Kuz has a really, really interesting opportunity to really just lock in and focus on being that alpha with that second unit, right? He'll be playing a lot of ball, you know, with LeBron and AD. But to be honest, I think he's going to be playing, you know, probably his minutes goes. It's going to be a lot of uh, AD time. And then to be honest, it might be a little bit of just the solo coup show. And he'll be out there with Dwight Howard and Jared Dudley and Rajon Rondo. And, you know, you put those names together. It doesn't necessarily sound like a really potent second unit or a really dangerous offense. But we've been kind of banking on and hoping since after the uh, AD sacrifice, when all the young core members left, that Kuz would take that next leap and take that next step and get his offensive game back to what we saw um, from his rookie season. And if we can, if we can do it, and there's no reason why he shouldn't come back to those numbers, right? I think he really could just take over and be that leader of the second unit. I think that he has the opportunity to build some type of rapport with Dwight. I'm interested to see how those pick and rolls look. I'm interested to see, you know, how he would play on the court with someone, you know, as dominant as Rondo. But last year, Rondo was sharing a lot of time with LeBron and Kuz and, you know, Obviously, when LeBron's on the court, we know what the answer is going to be if somebody needs the ball, right? So just the whole the whole relationship and the chemistry that that second unit is going to play, I do really, really, really appreciate you bringing up that how it will give his minutes or give LeBron a minute's break and Anthony Davis a minute's break. I'm very weary that, you know, AD can stay on the court for as many minutes as he's going to need to play as well as LeBron James, his minutes per game and how their bodies hold up over the entirety of an 82 game season. Yes, they're going to have days off where they need the rest, but those are also days where we need Kyle Kuzma to really be the focal point of the offense. I don't expect both of them to be sitting on games. Hopefully that's towards the end of the year where, you know, we're just coasting right into the playoffs, but we, I think we all can agree that we need Kuz to fill in that cog, which was so painfully obvious in that first game when LeBron and AD went to the bench. And yeah, I don't expect that to happen (laughs) much more going forward. But uh, we saw it and I tweeted it out. I was like, this is the point where Kuz could come in and really take control of this offense. But uh, Danny, how's, how's his fit looking to you in this? You know what? He's going to have to herald that second unit and take pride in it and essentially be the Lou Williams of that second unit. You know what I mean? Kuzma has the starting capabilities on a majority of NBA teams. And what he's going to have to provide is obviously outside shooting, spreading the floor, getting buckets and getting more buckets because that's what Kuzma does. So if he can do that and have Rondo distribute the ball to him in the second unit and then if it's Caruso running it or whoever, whoever essentially is bringing up the ball at that point, if Kuzma can get his looks and get hot and get it started, he will have that Lou Williams type role. He'll close out games with the Lakers, but that's when the first rotation comes in of the second unit, he really needs to just bring it. Like he has to be the spark plug because it was painful to watch, especially in the Jazz game too, when you saw in the first quarter and a half and the offense looked so lulled. I mean, we scored 33 points in over a quarter and a half. This is yeah. 2019 NBA season. You know what I mean? People are shooting threes at a high rate. People are scoring 30 points in, in, in one quarter easily. You don't want the so, grit and grind Lakers, Danny. <laughs> um, do we look like the Memphis Grizzlies? I'm just saying, I don't like, know. I don't want We're to, as big I'm, as them now. <laughs> I mean, we don't have Tony Allen, though. But I'm just saying, like, it was painful to watch at some point. We had 33 points with an, about nine minutes to go in the second quarter. That should never happen. Kuzma yeah. needs to come in and just provide that spark. And get the energy going, get the crowd going, get the whole crew. Because he is a fan favorite, too. So one bucket he gets, the crowd's going crazy. I, I think you guys are both exactly right. The the offense, 
though the defense has been really great uh, both games, I think the, the obviously the clear hole is that we're sort of missing that third guy who can just come in and just score and not have to worry about anything else. And one of, one of the things that I think is a positive to take out of both of these games is that the defense does look really good. It looks like it's not that hard to figure out where Kuzma fits in with these secondary lineups. So whoever it is that ends up getting pulled out of the backups, whether it's Daniels or cook or whoever it is, I don't think it's going to be very hard for the coaching staff to figure out how to insert in Kuzma and sort of what role he plays. And the fact that the def- the bench units have also been playing pretty good defense is going to make that easier because Kuzma is basically going to come in and he's going to be given the green light. They're just going to say, go ahead and score how mu- however much you want. The, the other four guys will take care of the defense on the other end, you know, and, and just stay in front of your guy or whatever. So that that's, that's really good. And again, uh, that Clippers game, I think I tweeted it out. My accuracy may be off a little bit, but there was a mark at about six minutes in the first quarter up until I want to say the six or seven minute mark in the second quarter where Danny Green never stepped on the floor. The Lakers started, the score was like 17, eight, 17 to eight. And Danny Green went to the bench and then like Doc like staggered Kawhi to bring him back at the end of the first quarter. But Danny Green didn't play for like 12 minutes of game time straight. And uh, the Lakers ended up losing the lead and Danny Green came in and the score was 39-40 Clippers. That 12-minute stretch is probably, you know, the Lakers defense was pretty good for those 12 minutes. That's when Kawhi went on that super hot streak. And even then, the Lakers were only down by one. And the the part that kind of makes me interested to see what's going to happen with Kuzma's rotation is that those 12 minutes that Danny Green was sitting down probably could have gone to Kuzma. And if you imagine if he does what he did last year, just from a scoring standpoint, having him there, maybe we don't lose that lead. Maybe the Lakers are still up during that time. So those are like kind of the opportunities that I see for the Lakers as it relates to integrating Kuzma. And and kind of giving us that scoring punch that we need off the bench. And like like you guys said, if he gets hot for any of those stretches, and you know the Lakers are rolling, that just gives more and more time to to the bench guys to to continue to run. Because I think yeah. Vogel wants to enable those guys and empower those guys to to feel successful in their own right. I have to ask the question because I'm a, just a little just a little concerned. So I'm gonna try to tie these two things together, hoping one will solve the other. Will the return of Rajon Rondo help AD shooting numbers? Question mark. I think, yeah, I think it will. Dan, Dan do you want to you want to go first? I think it will though. Uh, yeah, hundred percent it will. I mean, you could just you could just tell the comfort the comfort right, level Danny, of it. Like hundred percent. This is a Rajon Rondo a fan you, account, by the way. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, it's gonna make a world of difference. And I'm not gonna say okay, hundred percent is exaggerating, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be substantially different because the comfort um, and the chemistry that AD feels when Rondo's on the court. I've broken this down many times to you, Ricky. It's like a quarterback wide receiver chemistry duo. You have that in everything with Rondo and AD. He knows exactly where he'll be. He knows his spots. You can just tell it's going to, it's going to work better uh, because when Rondo's driving around the baseline and you can find uh, AD on that 15 foot area, it's going to be a bucket. And if it's not a bucket, it's a foul. So I think it's going to improve AD's numbers when it comes to scoring, shooting and efficiency, to be honest with you. Yeah. And and, uh, I'll, I'll add to what uh, Dan is saying. Um, I, I think it will be, a benefit. I don't know how much more of a benefit is going to be, obviously, because it's going to depend on making sure that teams aren't just flat out doubling AD and making sure that Rondo's defense is also good at the same time. But I think one thing that I've seen with the lineups that involve just AD on the court, the Lakers really, really need somebody who can sort of change the geometry of the court. And by geometry of the court, I mean somebody who can take a live dribble and kind of dribble around a little bit. As, as much as we hate watching Rondo pound the rock for like 16 seconds of the shot clock, there have definitely been some situations where the Lakers needed somebody to be able to do that. And um, I think Rondo probably fits that role for Anthony Davis. And one of the things that I want to bring up uh, that Rondo does do well because of the synergy that he has with and the chemistry he has with Anthony Davis is he does a better job getting good quality entry passes to Anthony Davis in spots where he can kind of use it as an advantage. So I'll, I'll give you a really easy example of this. When Avery Bradley brings the ball up the court, 
he picks a spot on the wing that's further down the wing. So what ends up happening is when AD posts up on the block, he'll throw it to like AD's hand that's sort of towards the baseline. So that means that when he does something like that, AD only has two options. He's either spinning towards the middle or he has to kind of pull up for that jump shot. And the defenses know that they're going to do that, that he's going to do that. So he's always pulling up for those jump shots. A guy like Rondo, because he's kind of clever in the way that he delivers his passes, even stuff like entry passes to the post, he can sort of set up AD to, you know, maybe fake the pass to his outside hand and then passes it to his inside hand. And now AD gets, you know, a jump on the guy that's defending him. So that, that sort of chemistry between a point guard and a big man is important. And, um, you know, one of the things that we haven't seen very much of is Anthony Davis running pick and roll with the guards. Like we've seen him run it with LeBron and seen how teams just switch out of it. But we haven't seen like clear cut one, five pick and rolls or one, four pick and rolls with uh, one of our guards and uh, what's it called? And Anthony Davis, we've seen them do like dribble handoffs and stuff like that for like Daniels. And he, you know, last game he did great. He pulled up, hit a bunch of threes. First game we saw that bunch of dribble handoffs. Danny Green got loose, hit a bunch of threes, but we haven't seen any pure pick and rolls. And that's something that we've probably underutilized uh, Anthony Davison. So as much as it pains me to say this, Rondo is in, an important person to this team. And as long as he's wearing a purple and gold jersey, we have to find a way to use him to our benefit. So I think that's one of the ways Thank that we can you. use him. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Ricky, are you hearing? Are you taking notes? Ricky, are you taking notes? I hear you, Doug. Go back on mute, man. Go back on mute. We heard, we know, we know this is all music to your ears. And and yeah, I really appreciate, you know, you, you know, appeasing Danny in this, in this, you you made my day. Yeah, you made his day. Um, So I'm in agreement with both of you, right? I've been mostly from the standpoint of, He's not going anywhere. Rajon Rondo, I'm talking about. So for us to bang our heads against the wall, thinking that he's going to get benched completely for Alex Caruso, I think that's just a little bit, you know, it's just a little naive of how the NBA actually works. Like, yes, it's very important that Rajon has that chemistry, that previous chemistry with AD, but it's also very important that Rajon doesn't fucking suck every time he touches a basketball <laughs> out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, both those things can be true. And I think my biggest point to Lakers fans is we're not actively cheering against Rajon Rondo. True. We shouldn't be, right? So anytime he steps onto the court, we are just hoping and praying that that chemistry pulls through anytime he's out there with AD. I don't know how many minutes he should be out there with LeBron James. And that's something that could be a point that Lakers fans could have a, a grievance with and maybe his minutes and how long he's out there and how long he is actively hurting the team from the defensive end. All those concerns are valid. But I think that if Rajon can help improve Anthony Davis's game, I, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of worth it, right? You know, yeah. in baseball, you have pitchers that have personal catchers that those yep. catchers yep. are only out there when that pitcher throws every five games. I, you know, I'm not going to say Rajon Rondo was reduced to the David Ross, uh, John Lester specialty catcher position, but you know, Hey, if he's going to improve AD's shooting numbers by getting him the ball exactly where he needs it and just relieving some of the pressure off LeBron, as far as a ball handler needing to be on the court at all times, I think it's kind of something we're just going to have to lean into and uh, cross our fingers and hope that it improves. Um, I was going to say, one thing to add, you mentioned some, you mentioned Alex Caruso. Laker fans also need to understand that Alex Caruso can play at the same time as Ray John Rondo in that off ball role. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hand to be effective. And if anything, he's a really good cutter. So it actually enables Rondo to be like, less of an offensive threat and just set his guys up. So just because Rondo is playing doesn't mean Caruso can't play in those. Like he, he's not taking minutes from Caruso. I think they can both be played at the same time. And I think we, I want to say that one of the guys had reported one of the Laker reporters in the preseason during training camp had reported that those two were playing together on some, in some teams like the scrimmages. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we see lineups where, Rondo is playing the point guard and Caruso is playing off the ball. And we saw that in the second, in the second uh, half of the jazz game where Caruso was just on the court. LeBron was still the point guard, but Caruso was just there kind of, you know, passing the ball around, moving around, cutting that sort of thing. So 
don't turn it into, I, I just want to suggest to Laker fans, don't turn it into Caruso versus Rondo. Just think about it the same way the coaching staff thinks about it. How do we maximize all these different combinations of guards and lineups that we have to be successful? And that's the way we should try to look at it. Absolutely. Good way of putting it. It's a good way of putting it. We got one guy, though, that it seems that Lakers fans, and we'll wrap up on this note, (laughs) that Lakers fans just do not give a damn about seeing succeed any longer. (laughs) Tease this at the beginning of the show. Vijay, you have gotten a front row seat as I have, ads have I from the what was mana from heaven to (laughs) why is his shooting numbers dipping to why the fuck is he stealing game winning shots from Julius Randle and Brandon Ingram to I do not want to see this man outside of a penitentiary for the next (laughs) seven months. What happened to Contavious Caldwell Pope? And from your viewpoint, do you think that the criticism is fully justified? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, people, that are very, people, people that are very, very upset with Contavious on the offensive end, I think they're justified to feel that way because he's getting paid a lot of money for what he's being asked to do. And it, it's what's making it more annoying is that we've got guys coming off the bench who are making like a fourth of what he's making and they're doing exactly what he's doing, but better. And that's, what's probably pissing a lot of people off. And, you know, obviously cause he's with clutch and you know, it's the clutch tax or whatever that people want to say and stuff like that on the defensive end. However, I will say that he's been really good this season and I am glad that he's at least good on that end, because if you can't make a shot, at least stop the guy in front of you from, you know, getting shots up on you. So I can't, I can't be too mad about that. Is the criticism of his offense justified? Sure. He's getting a ton of offensive. He's getting like a, he's a good amount of like wide open looks or like lightly contested looks and he's not making any of them. So that's annoying. So I'm not going to tell anybody, Hey man, take it easy on him. I just, I just am keeping, you know, me, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm, I'm trying to keep my fingers crossed that maybe he's got the yips or something like that. And that LA Laker fan pressure or the, those LA lights at Staples center, they hit you different compared to any other arena, man. So when you're wide open in LA, you got to have like a certain type of fortitude to be able to make those shots, man. Kobe's Kobe's had like this, he's like raised the bar for everybody. So if you don't deliver when you're wide open, it's a lot of pressure. So I think that's getting to him on the offensive end. Cause the moment he gets wide open, he knows it, it's gotta be like something in his head. Like, Oh my God, if I miss this shot, they're going to kill me. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to tell me to go back to jail and stuff like that. So the, the criticism is warranted on the offensive end, but he's doing a good job on the defensive end. So I'm, I'm not all the way there with the criticism, but I, I understand why people feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're getting towards <laughs> bully. We're getting a little close to, uh, to just straight up bullying KCP. I'm a, uh, I'm all good for the, uh, for the, you know, everyday fun slander. Jeez. I'm seeing some dedicated. There's a petition right now <laughs> to have KCP be thrown back in jail. Now I'm not one to see a man be put behind bars and away from his family, but God damn, when you average a half a point two and a half rebounds and two assists a game and you get paid what you get paid. I mean, I kind of understand the, the lengths of what people's uh, emotions get to with this. Danny, what you think? Is it, is it too much or are you about done with the KCP? You, you know, you know that gif of Stephen A. Smith where he takes off his glasses and he's just like looking at you and like disgust. Yeah, that's how I feel about KCP. Like, I just feel like he's literally just so content with getting one-year contracts from Rob Polinka and the Clutch Sports because of LeBron. It's just so ridiculous. Until he honestly can prove it to to the coaching staff, like, hey, I deserve these minutes. Why is he on the floor when he's not contributing into the offensive side? I get on defense. He does play a tough on-ball defense, but defense is majority of effort. And I'm pretty yeah. sure Troy Daniels right now is outplaying him on every facet of, of the game. Yep. So yep. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at him in disgust. Like you're, you're robbing the bank for $16 million. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, something out of that 16 mil. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the the fact that like Daniels had a really good game last game and even, even 
not gonna lie like even like Avery Bradley's been shooting really well like so like when you see those two guys you see those two guys getting paid less and outperforming them that's definitely going to be something that it's going to irk fans I was going to say that um it seems like he's probably the guy who's probably going to lose if he doesn't get it he get it together like he's probably going to be the guy who loses his minutes to Kuzma and nobody's going to feel bad about that I don't even think people on the um like on the Lakers roster are going to feel bad about that because they're going to be like, you know what? We need somebody who can score. Like if Kuzma can give us even average defense, we can take that because we know he's going to give us 15, 16, 17, you know, 20 points a night, even more maybe. So I don't know if he's going to end up, if KCP is going to be the guy, if he continues on this path that um, ends up falling out of like that guard rotation that we have. But I will say this, if he does continue to shoot badly on offense, but is still good on defense, Rich Paul may turn around and tell KCP that it's probably in his best interest to get a change of scenery because maybe something's in his head about being in LA or there may be another team out there that thinks that, you know what, we need a a guy who can defend on the wing and, you know, we'll, we'll figure out his shooting situation. So the fact that he's good at least on one end, it gives value because if you guys remember like last year, KCP wasn't shooting that great, but Houston had interest in him last year at the trade deadline and they were interested in trading for him. So I don't know if Houston's interested in that now, but there may be teams that look at it that way where they go, all right, this guy's on a pretty nominal contract, you know, compared to what other shooting guards get around the league. He's a good defender. He's not making a shot, but maybe we can find a way to, you know, minimize how much we need him for shot shot creation and stuff like that. So there's some sort of like trade value there is, is kind of the, the silver lining that I'm trying to suggest to Laker fans. But like I said, as long as he's wearing a purple and gold Jersey, I'm, I'm going to root for him because I need him to be successful. Cause it's going to be the Lakers, but I get it. I, I, I think it's hilarious that somebody came up with a petition. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Like they just want him gone just out of their lives completely. And I feel that man, Daryl Morey really has been um, thinking some, some interesting thoughts. Uh, if he was interested in uh, KCP, <laughs> Hey, they said he was, uh, they said he was calling around even this year looking for, for wings. So um, if we can appease them in any way possible and annexing uh, KCP out to uh, Houston by all means, but um, no, that's fair. I think, you know, we're talking about someone who has, been clutch certified for these Mm -hmm. years now there's a reason why rob referred to him in the way that he did when kcp signed with the lakers right that opened the door to communication to lebron james any way you want to cut it that's the fact of the matter um and you know it also opened up that entire relationship and now we're here with not only lebron but anthony davis it just seems like we have a couple of plus ones hanging around the Lakers as far yep. as Rajon Rondo and KCP that don't actually need to need to be there. But since we're here, they're here, they should probably, um, you know, do something productive with their lives. So uh, did, did you guys, did you guys happen to see? So like, it, it like to give you guys like a frame of reference to how bad this KCP thing actually isn't. Did you guys hear about what happened in the Knicks game on Saturday night? They were, they were, uh, I think Dennis Smith jr. I think he's like, it's, it's yes. only the second, second year in the league. Like they were chanting late and I think he's coming off of a back surgery or something like that. And he hasn't, I don't know if he's fully recovered, but he's had like a bad couple. They've only played like two games or three games. He hasn't had good games and Knicks fans were chanting. We want Frank uh, for Frank uh, Nikilatina off the bench. And I felt that kid is 21 years old, not Frank, but Dennis Smith. I was yeah. just like 21 years old. He has back surgery. Obviously he's the biggest name that was thrown in the outside of Porzingis in the Porzingis trade. And you've got fans who've probably never seen you like really, really play before, you know, like chanting for Frank, who's and a good done. player. Yeah. And he went to the back of that bench and you could tell he was emotional. I was just like, yo, you like, this is like not a way to be, you know, I like, I, I get, we make fun of, uh, um, we get make, you know, we make fun of KCP on Twitter and stuff like that. And I'm sure he's aware of it too, to some degree, but oh I was just God. like, we can't be this like, that's terrible, man. Like, how, how are you going to do that to some kid who barely has been in the league for like, you know, one season and a couple of games? That's wild. 
isn't it? I mean, we're so connected now and the the reach between us and athletes is sometimes just an at on Twitter, right? So I'm not we're, this isn't a uh, public service announcement to dial back anything again. This is yeah. they're millionaires, but you know, they're millionaires with feelings and I'm just interested to see if this because obviously this is mental now for KCP. What's going on in New York, yeah. what, what uh, Dennis Smith Jr., that is actual, you know, your home fans rooting against you and actively wanting you benched. Like I said in the beginning of this uh, this segment, that Lakers fans were sarcastically cheering yeah, for KCP yeah. after he hit his first points of the goddamn season at the free throw line against the Jazz, right? <laughs> so I don't know. We'll leave it as it may. Just good to have the conversation being thrown out there. But um, yeah, Vinay, I hope this was a, a fun time for you, man. It was a blast having you on. Really appreciate you stepping into the uh, late night Lake show den and um, just chopping it up, talking that good Lakers stuff with us. Where, uh, where can the people find you and find all your great work out in these streets? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at VKillum. It's V-K-I-L-L-E-M. Most of the content that I put out is through Lake Show World. So you can follow the guys on Twitter at Lake Show World. We have a nice team of guys there who do post-game recaps. I'll do video stuff. I have a podcast that I do every now and then. It's Radio KBE. Uh, you can find that through Lake Show World as well. You can listen to the sweet sounds of my voice over jazz music as I uh, try to give uh, Lakers fan therapy sessions as to what's been going on over the course of a couple of games. But yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. And uh, I had a great time today. This was an awesome conversation. I had a lot of fun with both of you guys. And uh, yeah, look forward to doing that uh, in the future. Perfect, Thank you. Man. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. <clears throat> All right. Well, Danny, I think that's good. I think your coffee is finally ready back there whenever uh, yeah. you're ready at Starbucks, right? So yeah. uh, we'll leave you guys much. this week. Um, like we said, the Lakers will be diving uh, into their game tonight or last night by the time you all hear this against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, we got a nice little slate of teams ahead of us that we should beat. I will be at that uh, that Bulls game. I think it's a week and a half from now, a week from now, but uh, look out for some good conversations content going on there uh like we said make sure to follow the late night lake show on all your podcast streaming devices but yeah we had a blast man last thing we got to do is uh call in our boy soul take us out